Hello and welcome to another edition of A Humanistic Perspective. I'm really fortunate this week, as always, to be sitting down with my co-host, Chris Gatos. I'm Chad Castilla, and this week we have the privilege of being joined with Brimstone. He is a multifaceted man, including acting, wrestling, podcasting, and I, I, I guess I want to, I always like to start maybe from your perspective, would you introduce yourself to people? What is, what is sort of the thing that you're leading with the most right now in life as your introduction? I'm, I'm an a-hole. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) First and foremost, I want to say thank you guys. Finally, Brimstone has made it to a humanistic perspective. So this is fantastic. Super excited to be hanging with you guys today. Um, You know, at the end of the day, you know, Brimstone as a whole, I mean, I am a brand. A lot of people, you know, will say, all right, well, he's a celebrity. He's an entertainment entrepreneur. Blah, 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 blah. I do. I'm kind of one of those guys that I wear many hats, uh, jack of all trades, master of none. And the reason why I say master of none is simply because Mm -hmm. anybody who thinks they're a master of something truly has, uh, you know, has already failed because you always learn until your dying day, you continue to learn. So nobody can can ever claim to be a master. Things are always, you know, growing and progressing. People need to to learn. So I entirely agree with that idea. Like we are. I think I was fortunate enough when I was going through college to like realize that like the cognitive growth aspect of just wanting to learn and discover something new is the biggest driving factor in like keeping me going and especially leading onto this show. And uh, I wanted to go back. How did you even get into this path and, and where, where were you raised maybe and where are you located now and, and how did you get there? I'm in New York. I'm, I'm, I've always been a New York boy. I'm a Long Island nice. boy. Um, you know, it's funny because uh, you know, on the local on the local TV, um, you know, where like the local news, News 12, sure. which is big here, you know, and, and it's and it's funny, you know, because I tour all around the world. But, you know, it's always nice to get some love when I'm at home. And it's Long Island's own brimstone. It's like, oh, that's so sweet, guys. You know, but um, yeah, so I am from Long Island. I grew up here. Um, you know, I'm, I'm 46 now. I've been in entertainment since I'm five. Um, my mother, wow. uh, my mother actually put me uh into into the uh, acting scene um she always thought that you know i was a cute kid i'm not so cute <laughs> now but um when i when i was a kid you know they um she had brought me into manhattan we're about 45 minutes on a good day three hours on a bad day uh from from new york city so you know she would bring me in there and bring me to castings and so forth um i remember at a young age i was doing castings for like rice krispies and um what do you call it uh a1 steak sauce and stuff nice. like that wow. and then um you know i wound up getting I, I apparently i i was i just found the papers um my mother passed away about three years ago so we've been so sorry out. for the loss thank you very much um you know we've been cleaning out our house and um she was a bit of a hoarder so i never thought i'd find anything <laughs> like certain things that i've been finding and 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 one of them was actually we just found the contracts uh, that I had with a couple of different um, agents. So I was actually represented when I was younger. Um, and then, and which I never knew. And um, I wound up signing to um, Children's Television Network. Um, and I found the contract for that too, uh, for three months, you know, of me being on Sesame Street. So uh, that wow. was, that was really cool. So I was a child actor on Sesame Street. Were, were your Robert. parents performers themselves or were they just like uh, interested in getting you on the stage? Was it something that you were a knack at and you wanted to do yourself? Or? My father, my, well, first of all, five years old, you don't know what the hell you want to do. Uh, but, <laughs> right. but, um, and, and remember, you know, you guys are young. When, when I was a kid, 
we didn't have TV like we have now. You know, we're talking mm-hmm. about, I mean, streaming might have just come over the last few years, but at the end of the day, we didn't have internet. We didn't have, you know, on demand. We had, you know, basic little, not even cable. It was like a little box that you clicked buttons and you had maybe 10 channels to play with. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it, it was it was a different animal back then. But, you know, I always loved Sesame Street and Romper Room. And um, I don't know if that was one of the things that initiated uh, my mother to bring me there. She was not in entertainment. My father okay. was in entertainment um, and that was cut short, but he still, he still, uh, he still plays, he still sings and he still does like little mini appearances, uh, you know, for fun, you know, here, there and everywhere. Um, he's in Florida now. My sure. parents were divorced when I was young. See, that's what cut me off. When, when I started, when I started kind of catching a little steam there, my mm-hmm. mother was bringing me into a lot of different auditions. And then certain days turned out to be days that I was supposed to be with my father. So my father and my mother started, you know, butting heads because at that point, you know, things were not amicable and, you know, <laughs> it is what it is. So wound up, um, you know, I, I wound up being cut off at the knees and I didn't get to continue when I was mm-hmm. a youngin. But then I turned to, you know, art. I used to, you know, I was growing up. I must have been like nine, ten. I started getting really into comic books. And um, G.I. Joe was my thing. Like, I used to Hell love yeah. G.I. Joe, and, uh, which is really funny because, um, what do you, well, I'll tell you, and, and I also love, like, the X-Men. The Beast was my favorite character. And, uh, you know, loved, loved everything about Marvel. I loved a little bit of, you know, Batman here and there. And what's really funny is that, you know, years later, things come full circle you know, G.I. Joe, Larry Hama is a friend of mine. What do you call mm-hmm. it? Uh, uh, Snake Eyes was my favorite character. And Ray Park, who played Snake Eyes in two or three of the G.I. Joe films, is, is one of my close friends. Um, Stan Lee was one of my good friends. But, you know, he passed. Before he passed, yeah. Uh, but I'm the celebrity spokesperson for his foundation. Um, you, no know, <laughs> you, you know, and, and, and uh, you're talking about like, you know, Batman. I mean, you know, I, I know a bunch of the, the, the Batman artists. So, you know, it, it's it's funny how things have come full circle for me. But I had wanted to be a famous artist. I was like, oh, I'm going to be an artist. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to be an artist. And, uh, you know, I wasn't bad either. And then I wound up um, when I was going to school, you know, originally, um, they had us playing like violin and, and so forth. Mm-hmm. Everybody's stuck playing violin when they first get, I don't know why they do that, <laughs> but they do that. Um, and then uh, that, and the, what is that thing called? That little, Oh, the recorder? Uh, the recorder. It's like, Oh yeah, we had that um, too. We had that. Third grade, everyone gets a recorder <laughs> in their hands. That's, that's, you know, their goal of punishing the parents because you're punishing the teachers having the, your children in their class. That's Seriously, what it is. Yeah. They're sending it back home to you. So right. they send you the two worst things, the recorder and the violin. I mean, I, they could both be very beautiful. Most of the time, not, but they could be very beautiful. In, um, the, in the right hands. In the right hands. And uh, so that being said, you know, when they finally opened us up to band, um, what do you call it? I had the opportunity uh, to pick an instrument and I, I picked drums. And that oh, was nice. my actual first, first love. Um, you know, I became a drummer. I went to school for drumming. So uh, who were music. you listening to? Yeah, who was who? Who were the artists? What were the genres? So, so my upbringing. Now, I'm I'm I came from a town called Uniondale here in New York on Long Island, and um, Uniondale. You might know uh, the Nassau Coliseum. You might have heard of that mm-hmm. from different um, you know concert. It's a, it's a big concert venue, sports venue, and so forth. And um, you know, I was one of the only white kids in an entire you know black area. 
So for me, I grew up listening to hip hop. I was a hip hop guy. So um, very rap, very hip hop and, um, you know, R&B, reggae. And, uh, you know, my first tapes were, you know, uh, Fat Boys, Run DMC, Houdini. Uh, and what's oh, funny yeah. is that, again, Run DMC. DMC is one of my closest friends now. Um, you know, the well, guys. How did from- you meet? How'd you meet him? That's that? a long story. You want me to get into that story? I'll get into that story. Let, let's get into that story. I think we, let's let's keep going on. I wanted to sort of get to the trajectory of like you're in high school. Where are you going next? Are you going to college? What are you thinking in your head? Because you're, you're an entertainer. You've been you've been doing this and that. Like, did, did you go right into wrestling then or what was next? No, it's a long, a long, long road in between. Okay. First and foremost. So. Uh, all right. So I was listening to hip hop and rap. And I was, you know, and I, like I said, I was a white kid in an all black area, you know, and, and, and Hispanic area. But and I'll get to the DMC stuff later. No problem. Um, and then I, I wound up um, before I went to middle school. My mother was like, I don't want you going to the middle school because it's it's a rough school. And I'm like, I don't care. I'm friends with everybody. This is, this is my fam, you know, like. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, like I'm, I'm white and I'm Jewish. So I was totally not, you know, anything. <laughs> There was nobody else like me there, but everybody sure. treated me like an equal. And, um, you know, the only time that I would ever be with other white Jewish kids was when I went to Temple like once a week. Sure. Um, and that being said, my mother refused to let me go to the middle school, which I was pissed off at the time. And um, she sent me to a private Jewish school, which was complete culture shock because here we were in lower middle class. And, um, you know, my my um, uh, this this uh, private school, you know, was was all white all Jewish and pretty much all upper class and um, such a different dichotomy than you were just experiencing completely different. So, and, and not only that, but the interests were completely different. And um, you know, when I got in, I was not the same person obviously as I left, but I wound up, um, you know, falling in love with, you know, different things that I had heard because I love music in general. I can listen to Disney and vibe, jazz, funk, rock, metal, hip hop, you name it. And I can vibe with it. I'm cool with all music as long as it's good. Um, That being said, you know, I wound up getting involved in in rock and music and so forth. And, um, you know, I started playing my first band was, you know, in private school. And uh, it was was, the first one was called Spitfire. And the next one was called uh, Private School. Yeah, Uh, I still speak to uh, the guys from from. the private school band and uh nice. funny enough one of in spitfire the uh funny story is the singer for spitfire was this kid named andy wilkow and andy wilkow is now he didn't he refused to have anybody he didn't want i only have one tape of of that band simply because somebody like snagged it but he made a big stink. He didn't want any photos of him. He didn't want any video of him because he was adopted and didn't want his parents to find out where he was and who he was. So, so, and you know what? And you know what? If you look up Andy Wilkow on Google, he's now a huge conservative. um, What do you call it? uh, Radio host. (laughs) Commentator. Who's on on like, you know, like thousands of people following in terms of, uh, you know, um, you know, political stuff. I'm just like, you were the guy who didn't want anybody <laughs> right. to know who you were. Right. And now you're doing the same stuff I am, except in a different realm. Like, come on, man. But um, anyway, so, so, so yeah, so that, that uh, happened there. And then, um, and you were the drummer for this band, right? For and I was a drummer. Yeah. I was yeah. a drummer. Oh. I mean, it was a nothing band. We were, we were kids. Private yeah. school was the, was the second band. 
And that band, um, which was also from the private school, that's why we called it private school, obviously. We, we started playing out and doing some fun stuff. And it was fun. We were kids. From there, my mother had, um, you know, not my mother, the school was closing down. Um, and it was either graduate early, um, a year early, or go back to um, high school in Uniondale. So I told my mother, you know, like, uh, I'll graduate early. She's like, there's no way you're graduating early. You're going to continue and you're going to do the last year of school. I was like, okay, whatever. So um, I wound up I wound up going to Uniondale High. And um, what do you call it? You know, here I am back with all my old friends, which I kept in touch with a lot of them. So I was always good. And, um, you know, it was, it was um, you know, now here I am as a very mixed blend of, you know, music and, and experience and so forth at a young age. So, um, you know, I, I was first thing I did was I got into band and uh, there and, and marching band because I, I always for some reason I always wanted to do marching band. But the drum corps lines were so amazing, you know, and yeah. I wanted to yeah. I wanted to play. So um, that was my obsession, too. Yeah. Oh, you, you're a drummer? Uh, I, so I did. I actually studied with a guy named Vern Spivak here in Illinois for a mm-hmm. period of time. But I started as a uh, saxophone player on tenor sax, then picked nice. up percussion and then picked up singing and sort of there did those, those through high school. Beautiful, beautiful. Well, so here I am and I, I'm playing in band and, and a lot of people, because the high school brought in from three different schools within the district. So, you know, I guess, you know, two quarters of, I mean, um, two thirds of the, the people didn't necessarily know who I was. So, um, you know, here I was and they had this drum off and um, you had, you know, everybody else playing like these hip hop songs and, uh, you know, and then everybody's like, yeah, they were getting, you know, enjoying the hell out of it. And then here I am and I, and I pull up and I've got this, this drum kit set up and um, <laughs> oh, very, yeah very rock drum kit and they have double uh, bass going and everything no 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 not yet not yet actually (laughs) i might i might have i might have but um i had at the time i had a friend that was able to splice things together so i was like i'm gonna screw with everybody and um so i don't know if you guys know any led zeppelin yeah of course and do you know who black sheep is i don't know if i'm familiar with black sheep okay so what do you call it um what I had him do was uh, at the beginning of, um, you know, one of the songs was, hey, hey, mama said the way you move, gonna make you sweat, gonna make you groove. Of course. So what do you call it? So we're sitting there. I started with that. It's like, I'm so and everybody goes, oh, you know, like, oh, you know, because they were just, it was not their stuff. And then all of a sudden, it clicked back and it's uh, and it goes right into uh, the choice is yours from black sheep so who's the black sheep what's the black sheep no not who i you know what i mean so that's such a good song. sample so, engine wow. engine number nine on the new york transit line if my train goes off the track pick it up pick it up pick it up back i bet that was scene. so badass Everybody. in the moment Everybody was like, oh, oh. Like, go white boy, go white boy, go, you know, so, yeah. so, you know, that being said, you know, my, my, um, my whole career in music, I always did a big blend and, um, you know, one that gave me a lot of street cred there. And, yeah. um, you know, at the end of the day, they realized, you know, music is music. And, um, you know, everybody kind of vibed and that was a really cool feeling there. It seems and- to me almost as if, you you had I I want to I guess get was this more a your creative vision or were you a master marketer and you just knew what would sell to the audience you were playing to at the time? 
You know what? Um, I'd love to say that I was a master marketer, but I was kind of coming into my own. So maybe, maybe, okay. um, maybe it was the, the, the beginnings of, sure. of being a marketer, um, you know, and, and learning how to market myself. But um, if it was, it was, it was not unintentional. You sure. know what I mean? It was unintentional. And, um, you know, it was, I just, you know, certain moments you always, that, that they just stick out. And that's one that has always stuck out in my mind. So from there, um, you know, my, my parents, um, my, well, my mother and my stepfather were um, buying a house in another area and what do you call it, moving out of Uniondale. But I convinced them to, to let me finish out my school year in Uniondale, finish it out. And then I was going to school. So I was going to school for music. And um, what do you call it? I went to uh, Nassau Community College, which was 13th grade. But, you know, I didn't care. I was going for music and I just wanted to continue playing. And uh, from there, I, uh, I wound up getting into, you know, a couple of, of we, we created some bands. That was the first first time I did real radio and, and all that jazz uh, was at Nassau Community College. And, nice. you know, I was a guest and then and, and guest hosted and did all that stuff. It became a home over there, which is, again, another full circle type of thing doing doing uh, podcasting and radio now. But, you know, it was it was it was really cool because I, I got very involved in, um, you know, the the scene and. Um, you know, I got into uh, into it with a couple of different people. I did a band called Image, which was progressive progressive metal. Um, no singing; it was just music. And we started playing favorite. out. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. And you know, we we just we did that, and then um, that was time to to, to end. And um, I, my my favorite band that I was in was Who's Laughing Now. Um, and anybody who's really interested, you can go to my official website, therealbrimstone.com. By the I way, just... well-built website. Thank you very much. Yeah, thank that's you. amazing. Thank you. Um, I worked hard on that. I did that myself. And um, I did the whole Grindhouse Radio site myself, too. Um, and I, I rebuilt and rebranded everything uh, this past year. So, um, But that being said, it's the first time I've ever had any of my old school music up on my official website. So anybody who's interested in checking out, you can check that out. But Who's Laughing Now was my favorite. And where we started playing and touring a little and doing things. And you know what I mean? And just it, like the energy, that's really when um, I decided whether it's this, that, or the next thing, entertainment was my thing. Aside from sure. the fact that I, I slept with a lot of girls in college and got a lot of, <laughs> you know what I mean? Running around, of, doing you know, your thing. I did my thing, um, you know, and essentially you know for me like music was was everything at the time and uh you know and i was I, i'm blessed to say you know the people that i had up on my walls are now either friends of mine or we've we've met uh, you know over time and so forth and it's funny because that I, isn't that, the pinnacle of success right there you know? it's yeah. a it's a beautiful thing you know success even though I do well, success isn't about money. Success right. is about experience, leaving a legacy, mm. um, you know, building, building something that was nothing into something that's an empire. Um, you know, that's success. You know, people, people like to, to measure in dollars and cents, but it, it's not all dollars and cents. You can't take money with you when you die. You know what I mean? Nice. Where is that going to go? But you can sure as hell leave a legacy. And, yep. um, you know, I, I wanted to, you know, I was determined to leave a legacy. You know, when you've got when you've got people singing your lyrics back to you, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And they're they're um, you know, and, and mosh pits going to, to your to your music, you know, like that was like, this is what I want to do. This is what I this is where I want to be. And, you know, and again, my style in music, I was a very big cross between 
hip hop and metal. So I'd always throw the hip hop grooves in, you know what I mean? Where, where before it was popular. You I don't know, know if I mean? you're like, familiar with Death Grips at all, the band, but that sounds, sounds very, very similar to things that Death Grips doing now, but you were doing it way before. I was doing it in 95, you know, <laughs> like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like um, it was before, you know, a lot of these bands came out and were just like a crossover band. Um, you know, had I known some of the people I know now, we would have done some killer stuff together then. Uh, and we might be doing some killer stuff together soon. So, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll Ooh, get new projects in the works. Yeah, maybe, but I, I can't talk about it um, sure. officially right now, but I, I can say that a bunch of other celebrities, um, you know, and I have been talking, we've all been discussing doing maybe a, a side project. So cool. if that happens, um, you know, everybody will know about it. We'll have a lot of fun with that. Awesome. But I, cool. I, I definitely want to yeah. definitely want to play again. Um, it's just time. Got to find the time. But nowadays it's as easy as sitting in your own studio or in your house recording and then you send your tracks to the next person. So yep. it's it's so much diff- so different than it was. What's your preferred DAW? What do you work out of? Um, here in, uh, where, in terms of what, uh, for your, of, for your music, for, your for the music. music, I have no idea because I don't do the engineering. Got it. Um, but I can tell you what we use here in the studio for all the, what do you call it for all the voice work and, and sure. so forth. I mean, in terms of, um, in terms of, uh, all of our equipment, I believe, what is it? Oh my God. I can't believe what is that? Um, blah, 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 blah. Not the interface. It's a DAW. See, my brain that does not work. Well. Oh, uh, Pro Tools? No, we use uh, Ableton. Ableton. Ableton Live. Nice. Ableton yeah. Live, um, which is also good for music from what I'm told. Um, and I'm learning a little bit of the engineering side, as we yeah. know. Um, but I'm, I'm intimidated by the engineering simply because I just don't have the time to learn it. Sure. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah. And then uh, there's a new... There's a new Daw as well um that is, is coming it comes in this new i told you guys about the new fox bear dynamic mic yep. um they have this new kit that um i don't know what the name of the the what, what the name of it is but it's an actual program that uh you can utilize as well and 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 that can be used for podcasting or music um cool. when i when i remember what it is i'll let you know but my cool. brain i'm sorry it's early no, I, I know. I, same, same here. I, agree, yeah. I can tell you all the equipment, but I get confused on some of the names with with the the studio stuff. I can tell you whatever microphone thing you need and whatever headphone thing you need, though. There you go. Hell yeah! So when you're when you're performing as a musician at this time and stuff, are you worried about your financial future? Are you worried about what's happening? Or are you just you know being young, running with the life, and knowing like you know what I want to be entertaining in whatever facet that means for me? Um, you know, a lot of people get caught up in the, uh, the, the concern about money and, and where am I going to make money and how am I going to make money? Um, if you're in it and you're pushing hard and you're working hard, the money will come. Um, so when I was younger, one, I lived at home at that point. So, you know, I wasn't concerned about, about, you know, making anything, you know, crazy, but I was making money. Because when I was playing out, I would get a percentage of the, of the money, even though um, we should have been doing it and building it as a business, um, which I, you know, it's one of the things I learned from music moving forward into other things is it should have been built as a business. We should not have taken the money out and it should have went into, uh, you know, a business account. We should have built out from there. Uh, but, you know, again, I wasn't I wasn't super concerned about it because, um, you know, again, things take time. 
And people seem to want that immediate, you know, satisfaction and uh, instant gratification, like what you get nowadays. You know, um, sure. back then things were a little slower. It wasn't as crazy. You didn't have to worry about it as much. You know what I mean? Things were less expensive, but that also changes over time. So, you know, like, listen, when I was younger, gas was 95 cents a gallon. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, no and, and when, when, and before that it was a lot cheaper. So, um, you know, for me, it's a little back in my day, you know, but, uh, <laughs> right. you know, so I, I wasn't really concerned, uh, but, um, you know, the older I got, you know, um, and when I, when I was in a relationship and then, you know, I got married to my first wife and I had my daughter, you know, yeah. You know, I, I did think about money, but I was also still involved in the business, um, not music. I wound up getting into wrestling. And again, that's 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 a whole story in itself. Yeah, I'm ready to yeah. go down that road, too. Yeah, the, the, the music, the music thing was was amazing. And, um, you know, when you're when you're playing in uh, in a band, the problem with it is and if you've played before as you know mm -hmm. you're not dealing with just one personality like you know if it's your wife or your girlfriend and so forth you're dealing with five different personalities and they're all creatives uh, yeah well, somewhat um some of them are idiots <laughs> i wouldn't even sure. call them creative uh but yeah no they're, they're all creative types or um very a lot of people are very you know push and pull you know what i mean mm -hmm. they, they're not necessarily they don't, they don't want to necessarily work with anybody they just you know it's 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 a very very big issue. One of the one of the things I had an opportunity to 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 have um, one of the well, who's laughing now, signed to a major label, uh, East West uh, Recording, came in and heard us playing. That I was asked that we were asked to open because I was friends with a lot of people in the industry. Um, I was the one that was friends with everybody, uh, and and you know they came down. Uh, I'm sorry. And this, it was a band called Red Belly and Red Belly was signed to East West and they go Brim. Well, I wasn't Brim then. It was just Will. But what do you go? They're like, Will, you know, we, we really need an opening act and we think you guys would kill. Um, and I know and they knew I had a reputation in the club they were playing uh, it was called Industry. It was one of the biggest rock metal clubs in uh, the area at the time and used to pack a few thousand people in there at a clip. Nice. And, That's a good size. Um, it was really, really cool. But now they had the big room, which was the club club. Then they had a smaller room which they were doing like um, these type of, you know, things. And so I was like, all right, you know, yeah, sure. Um, we, we wound up opening for them. And um, we, because, you know, aside from the fact that we were good um, and we were energetic, the, um, the people in the club knew that I was in there <laughs> and they packed, they packed in um, again. I was very popular uh, in the scene back when, and uh, they packed in and what do you call it? As soon as we were off stage, before Red Belly even got to go on, and they were really good. Everybody bounced out of the room and they played to like maybe 20 people. I felt so awful because they had asked me to do the, the gig. And um, what do you call it? I'm still friendly with Eddie from uh, from the band, but what do you call it? At the end of the day, uh, we were we were offered a contract and you know, one or two of the guys in the band were like, no, I'm not selling out. I'm not doing that. I'm, not, I'm like, what do you mean you're not selling out? You know, I wanted to live in a freaking van and tour. And I'm like, you're out of your goddamn mind. Yeah. And uh, it was just, it was not what I wanted to do. Um, then I made the mistake of getting into the other band, Bugsy, with two of the same idiots that, that I didn't, I shouldn't have been in the band with to begin with. And, um, but whatever. I mean, look, we made good music together. I'm not going to lie. We made good music together. And, um, you know, uh, when it was time for me to be done, you know, I said, I got sick of a five-way marriage. He's yeah. done. And I left Bugsy 
And that was it for me with music, um, you know, in terms of um, being able to go out and play in bands and so forth, simply because I didn't have time for wrestling mm -hmm. happened. Um, and what happened with that is because I was in such um, a powerful position in music on Long Island and in Manhattan, you know, I knew everybody. I knew all the club owners. I, they, I was the guy that did all the business. Yeah, you were I, managing like, I, the bands. I got all the, I got all the gigs. Oh my god, these some of these guys didn't even want to be in pictures. They didn't want to be in. They didn't want to do interviews. I'm like, well, then how do you expect people to know who you are? <laughs> Un underground, yeah. man, underground. Gosh, shut the hell up. Um, you know, <laughs> at the end of the day, listen. You know, you do you. You do you. You do you. Boo boo. I'm, yeah. I'm good. Right. I need to move forward. I need. It's to still a business, though. At the end of the day, too. Yeah. It's a business. You need to be able to to pick it up and move forward. Um, what do you call it? And, um, you know, the only person that I'm, there's only two people from either of those bands that, um, you know, and, and who's laughing now, Bugsy, that I still talk to and I'm, mm -hmm. and I'm very close with, uh, the singer and, and one of the guitarists and the other ones are just, you know, I, I could do, do without them. And, um, you know, the fact is, is that, uh, you just, you just, sometimes you just build apart, you grow apart. And, um, you know, and, and after I left that went, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Because, you can't replace, you know, I mean? people think they can replace somebody, but it's not the same. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? It's just not the same. So now the fact that is I knew everybody in, in the music industry, or at least a very good portion of it. And, um, you know, my, uh, my, my job at the time was at the, uh, it was the Village Voices sister publication, the Long Island Voice. Now, if you're not familiar with the Village Voice, it's one of the biggest publications in Manhattan. Nice. Um, it's a very uh, music, artsy, you know, um, publication. Um, it's, it's really, you know, like it, the village in Manhattan. It was where it came from. It's very, you know, eccentric. So sure. uh, that was that was uh, the company that I was working for at the time. And I had done a, a bunch of the smaller, um, smaller uh, publications and everything. So, you know, I was learning publishing and so forth and, and sales and advertising and marketing and whatever, because that was in my blood also. And uh, but I was dealing with all the I was dealing with all the music venues. Mm. So um, when I went to the, the voice, um, the uh, they had asked me if I would be able to because they knew that I, I was into photography as well. They asked me if I would be interested in going and covering an event with uh, with one of the writers. Uh, Bill Jensen and um, it was about it had to do with wrestling they knew I liked wrestling I was like yeah you know sure they said they were gonna pay me I was like no problem because I'd been published before with with you know photography yeah. so um, you know for me you know it's just like all right it was, it was just something fun to do so I went down there and uh, met a whole bunch of people that turned out to become friends later on and uh, as he's interviewing everybody you know I'm meeting everybody as well and um, you know uh, I, I, I had finished up with uh, with Bret Hart and um, taking pictures of him. And then we did the Sheik. And as I'm walking up to Sheiky, he's looking at me, he goes, you, you could be a wrestler. You look like a wrestler. I train you be a wrestler. I humble you. I take you, I teach you. I humble I you. you. Yeah, and um, you know, I love Sheiky to death. You know, I haven't seen him in, in um, a few years, but um, you know, love for that guy, man. And, and he's such, he's such an, an awesome person um, and, and an amazing, you know, he, he didn't train me, but what do you call it? I actually brought him in years later to train some of my students uh, no to do kidding. a guest wow. thing. And, and uh, what do you call it? And he was just phenomenal. He's a beast. Um, that being said. Um, and what league was this that you're wrestling in? 
what me? Oh, I've been in a ton of different uh, acronyms. You name the acronym, okay. I've done it. But you know, this was this was way after. With with Sheik, you know, um, he was kind of just coming at me, and uh, then Eric, his Eric Sims, snapshot Eric Sims was his um, uh, manager and agent at the time, and and I don't know if he's still working with him, but he's still in the business. Um, but snapshot starts talking to me and. He's like what we call work, you know, like, oh, yeah, you can come down to Atlanta and he'll train you for X amount of time. And this is how much it'll cost, blah, blah, blah. And you could do this or you could, you could bring him out here. Blah, blah. And, and I'm going, whoa, whoa, slow down. Like, ease up. Hold on. And uh, Brett was getting ready to leave. I believe he had to head back down to WCW or Nitro or something, you know, uh, back then. But he was definitely in WCW at the time. And um he pulled me to the side. He knew I was there to, to do the interviews. We met earlier. He said, listen, I heard or I heard you talking to, to the Sheik. And he goes, listen, if you're really interested in getting into the industry, um, you know, here's my email address. Feel free to give me a shout. And, and I'll, you know, if I can guide you in any way, I will. So wow. I appreciated that. And I, and I thanked him. I didn't know if he, you know, did that often or, or if it was just like a, I got lucky type of a thing, but he knew I was there and I wasn't just some kind of a stranger. I was there with the publication. So, um, you know, I took the email address and, and um, as I was looking through a wrestling magazine um, a couple months later, I, I reached out to him. I was like, I found a thing called the, uh, the Long Island Wrestling Federation, the doghouse, it's a new school. And um, you know, what do you think I should do? And he said, this is what you should look out for, blah, 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 blah. And, you know, I went down and. Um, what are some of those things they saying to look out for? Ah, oh, man, you know, the professionalism, you know, what, you know, how things are set up, um, you know, the instructors, um, you know, there was just so many different things. I mean, listen, th there's. Is there a lot like, of politics in wrestling? A tremendous amount of politics in wrestling. And, um, you know, you've got to be very careful. And, you know, things. Things now are very different than what they were then. I'm removed from from wrestling at this point. I really don't. Um, I don't do anything with wrestling at this point, except sure. for every so often, if a friend of mine asks me to watch a match or, um, you know, you know, give some feedback, you know, I'll, I'll do it um, simply because I'm still, you know, part of that brotherhood. Uh, but, you know, for the most part, you know, and, and I'll look out for some of the girls that that I've met over the years that, um, you know, have, have asked me, uh, you know, questions and 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 so forth. Um, one of them is, is Machiko Palmer. Machiko is amazing. Um, I know she did something over at AEW not too long ago. Nice. I, I see I see her working with WWE eventually. I think uh, I think she's definitely got she's the got chops. the material. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. But she's 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 gorgeous. She's great. She's really really she's a good worker. So I'm proud of everything she's done. And I met her before she was getting into it. We we met in Austin uh, at while well, I was signing at Wizard World convention. And um, you know uh, yeah 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 we you know. She told me what was going on. I, I told her I did. I kind of paid it forward and told her what to look out for. And, um, you know, she was she was and I told her, I said, stay away from the boys, you know, like don't get involved <laughs> with the boys. No relationships because, right. uh, you know, that's for, for girls. That's a bad thing in the business at a certain level. Well, at any level, to be honest, at least it was back then, um, you know, because then the boys don't take you seriously. Um, you know, and you, ne you never want that. You want to be taken, taken seriously. Yeah. So that being said, um, you know, I went to the, the, the Long Island Wrestling Federation to the doghouse and that was my home. That's where I, that's where I was, uh, that's where I came out of. And, uh, from there, you know, like, is that where you developed the name Brimstone there? Yeah. Well, in the, in the, the, it's funny because, okay, since I was doing the band and I knew about marketing, 
-hmm. And, um, you know, since I had a sales history at this point, you know, now I knew sales, I knew, I knew branding, I knew, you know, um, marketing. I said to myself, if I'm going to do this, I need to have something that's marketable, memorable, something that I can, that has legs and I can do stuff with, because there will be a day that you won't be able to wrestle anymore. Then what do you do? Uh, where do you go from there? What happens? And um, a lot of boys, they wind up, they, they're working in gas stations and, and retail stores and, and there's nothing wrong with that. But, you know, when you're, when you're doing things and you're in front of people and you're, you know, you're building a, a, a name for yourself, you know, to kind of, you know, take a, a step in a different direction like that is heartbreaking to them. You know, and I've seen it a million times. And again, there's nothing wrong with working in those places or having those careers. It's just that when you're in one one area, you know, where you're either on TV or you're in, in front of crowds, you don't even have to be on TV. You could have just worked in front of crowds and people cheering you on. And then you're, you know, then you find yourself pumping gas. It's it, it can it can break people. Um, yeah. And and again, um, I don't want anybody to be insulted because anything there's a need for everything in this world. You know what I mean? Right. Um, so that, you know, being the case, um, you know, I, uh, you know, even though you're not supposed to be thinking about your, your, your uh, character and your name and so forth prior to, you know, becoming a professional, um, you know, I was thinking of names and, and, uh, and gimmicks every time I went into to drive it to school because they were about an hour away from me. So, you know, we had a long ride in and then a long ride back. Mm-hmm. So that being said, we had a lot of time to kind of go over stuff and figure out, you know, what works, what doesn't work. I did that with my name and I did that with the, um, with the tag team name and the, and the, 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 what do you call it? We had, um, you know, a few of us that, that have put together a little click and uh, people that I got into the business with and, and people that were getting into the business at the same time. And um, these are some of my closest friends today. And, sure. uh, you know, we, we, what do you call it? We, uh, we went, we, we toured and I started with like literally 10,000 names, got it down to a thousand names. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you call it? Then got it down to a few hundred names, you know, down to 20, 10 and Brimstone was always there. It jumped off the page at me. And then we didn't have the internet like we have now. I had to make sure that nobody was using the name, what was happening with the name. Wow. And um, I went in. I How went, did you figure that out then? Microfiche. <laughs> if you've never heard of it, look it up. It was in the okay. libraries and, you know, I had to figure out, you know, who was doing what in the different territories because there's different magazines and so forth. So I'd sit and scour and look through things and the microfiche had all of the, you know, all the different things that, um, you know, like publications and, and all different information, kind of like a computer would, but all in, you know, paper format, but it wasn't paper. It was, yeah. So microfiche. So that being said, <laughs> that's brilliant. Um, yeah. You know, I found, I found out that that was the name. Uh, I knew I could market it. I knew it would be memorable. I didn't want to be the guy that went into the, the ring and got his ass handed to him. That wasn't my thing. So do you ever wish social media was around at this time? Because you were, you were so ahead of things and your, your, your connotation and, and ability to grow an audience and become synonymous with the region you're in. I feel like that would have translated so well for you onto social media with starting that, you know, progressive hill of, Oh, it's building, it's building. And now the algorithm's taking it. If I, if I had social media, then things would be very different now. Um, I, I think I'm, a, I think I'm in a pretty decent place right now. Um, but if I had social media, then it would have been 
done. You know Lights what I mean? I, I, yeah. <laughs> because, because here it is like, you know, you guys are young, you know, um, there, there are people that, that are in this industry that also have a tremendous amount of talent. I'm talking about entertainment in general. And there, for a long time, there wasn't an outlet to show people, you know, this is what I do. This is how I am, you know, unless you're on TV, you know, or doing radio and or making appearances and traveling and touring. And yes, I toured, I traveled, I did, you know, as many different acronyms as you can think of in, in pro wrestling. Um, what do you call it? That, that they're just too many to, to discuss, mm-hmm. um, you know, but, you know, getting picked up and, and having being written up in a magazine or being, you know, on a radio show or doing a television stint or doing whatever it is. That's, that's how people saw you then. You know what I mean? You had to right. work 10 times harder to be seen. Um, wow. Now, and now, now, you know, yeah, now social media is, there's an overabundance of it. So it's now harder to be seen again, but it's never been easier to be seen because right. once you go out there and you work for it, people see you and they can go, Oh, wow. I, I, this is amazing. Like follow, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, then we didn't have what we eventually we had MySpace. you know, like what the hell yeah. was MySpace doing? You know, like, did, did you make a brimstone MySpace account right away? Oh God. Yeah. I had one of those, <laughs> you know, and, and it's, and what's what funny was, is what was like your style at the time? What were you posting about? Was it just raw content? What were you, did you have like a, a vibe out? Um, it wasn't like now where, you know, where people kind of, Put things together where it's nice and pretty and you know looks all status quo my space was all, all over the place um and i and i had conversations with a lot of other friends in the business um i'm talking about entertainment and um you know for the most part like i'd post uh photos you know and and uh, stuff like that and videos when i when, when we were able to and um that was it you know like i i my space was was for you know you know networking you know that was like it was kind of like LinkedIn. That was it. You know, we, it was kind of like a LinkedIn, but with, um, you know, but, but with entertainers and just reg, you know, regular people, not just business. Sure. Um, LinkedIn used to be just business. Now it's a little bit of everything also, but you know, I, MySpace, I, I just, I, I can't, <laughs> I can't with MySpace. but mm-hmm. you know, then Facebook came and everybody jumped out to Facebook um, then everybody jumped out to Twitter and Instagram and this and that and, and LinkedIn and and you know it it just steamrolled TikTok uh, now Clubhouse it's like how much can you keep up with on yeah. a daily basis so you have to be everywhere um, that's the reason why I don't have the brimstone name on some of these outlets is because like Facebook took it back and gave it to me um instagram would have because now they're owned by facebook but now i'm already branded on on instagram as the real brimstone i'd rather not confuse people um and what because it's verified already i don't have to deal with it facebook's verified twitter's the only one that is not verified and i'm at entrance to hell on there because that was you know back when with the gimmick my website was entrance to hell.com because somebody stole brimstone.com you know what i mean and and it's just at the end of the day I was a little bit late to the game because I was old school and I didn't know how important that stuff would wind up becoming. Um, But now I do. And now I'm ahead of the game. So, you know, and even now, you know, clubhouse, because they only took um, the iPhones. I didn't get my, my, you know, at brimstone because I'm on Android and I couldn't get on and, and start an account early. Yeah. You know, and then I went after Do you have people that follow you and try and go after your names and stuff and your likeness and your brand before you can on stuff like that? 
do you, do you everybody tries to i'm sure you know do i know there are plenty of mimics out there that's why you know i always push for verification um you know like on twitter but twitter is the only one for some reason that has not verified me um what's funny is i mean on even on giphy um are you familiar with giphy no i'm not giphy is with, with giphy is with all the gifts if you go to giphy.com backslash ghr that's my account on giphy I'm verified okay. there and I, we have well over a billion uses of our gifts. You know what I mean? Wow. Like it, it's so those gifts are used on Twitter, you know, yeah. like, right. Come on, you know, right. um, but you know, and, it, and, and what, what, like I had a much higher count, like before they did a purge, I was at like 133,000 followers on Twitter. I was really on it with Twitter you for were. a long time. That was my, that was my outlet. And, um, what do you call they did the purge and it was it purged a lot of bots which is fine i don't care about that but it also purged a lot of real people that just hadn't used the account or they went on and and they just looked instead of liking or commenting so you lost a ton of traction in the number and then they still hadn't you know verified you know and, and done anything mm. and when i'm trying to contact or talk to or interact with other friends and other celebrities on twitter they don't necessarily see it unless you are also verified. verified. Because when you're looking in, you can you can see the verified first before everything else. That's how it works on Twitter. So, you know, at the end of the day, it is what it is. One day, eventually they'll figure it out. But <laughs> until then, yeah. I'm stuck. But I have yeah, one more had, question with had, the... Oh, sorry. Keep going. Keep going. If you have... No, but if we had social media then, it would have been incredible, you know? Yeah. Uh, back on the wrestling thing, do you do you think you have any residual head trauma, or do you think from the act the acts that you guys are doing, you know, and and all of that sport and work, do you think there's any residual like um, body or, or mental things that come from doing that? My um, well, there are for a lot of people. Um, for myself, I was lucky. Um, my head, I just had after years and years and years of not doing it. It was one one chair shot that some um, indie guy who didn't know what he was doing um, got in the ring and and I saw him coming at me with the with with the chair because he thought that he was doing it right. He had the chair the wrong way and he hit me the wrong way and I didn't get to I didn't get to you know block it quick enough because I turned around and it was there and um, what do you call it. Uh, it, it cracked my cracked me in the skull and I had I'm pretty sure it was a chip of bone that just started building and building and building and I wound up having like a lump on my head for many years and I just got that oh. taken care of about a year and a half two years ago I okay. just had it taken out after 10 15 years um, that was there my knees are not what they used to be I have mm. bone spurs in both my shoulders um, my back is not the way it should be but um, you know I'm in a lot better shape than a lot of the other guys out there you know what That's I mean? Awesome. And, uh, and the, 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 I'd be in better shape um, if I was able to spend the time and go to the gym again, uh, especially after the pandemic. But what do you call it? Uh, I've also gained a lot of weight that, that I didn't have, um, which is putting extra pressure on those joints. So mm-hmm. hopefully I'll be able to kind of get through that and get past that soon enough. We'll see what happens. So it comes down to, to time and, you know, and the effort and the effort I'll put in. Um, but, you know, it, it has to fit into the schedule. Sure. So where did the path take you after wrestling? What was the next, the next iteration of your entertainment career? So um, I pulled out of wrestling for, you know, when I pulled out of wrestling and I, I had to, I decided to, all right, look, I want to, I want to kind of get back into um, 
entertainment, you know, um, not just wrestling. I wanted to figure out what I needed to do in order to save my body and, um, you know, continue to build and brand on the Brimstone name. So what I did was I started um, thinking, what's the next natural progression? So for me, everything always comes down to the next natural progression. Um, mm. And the next natural progression is, you know, wrestlers in general are what? They're real-life superheroes, right? They're in the ring. They look larger than life. They jump off the ropes. They throw people around. I mean, it's, you know, it's, you, know, you have your, your, your faces, you have your heels, the good guys, the bad guys, you know? And, um, you know, so I said, well, the next natural progression would be a comic book. So I was like, well, let's do a comic book. And I didn't want to do a, a wrestling-related comic like WWE was doing simply because it was not a fun comic book. Because... Yeah. Um, <laughs> You know, they needed if they did it a little differently, um, you know, I think it would have been a lot more successful. But, um, you know, what I did was I took my gimmick as as because I was a gimmick guy. I knew my gimmick and um, I decided, let me take this and spin it into a comic book. Um, and I contacted one of my friends, another another person that that uh, went through wrestling with me, uh, Marcello Carnavale. At the time, it was Lord Clarence McDougal. And um, what do you call it? Uh, he was a writer and a screenwriter. And, um, you know, and I told him, I go, what do you think about doing a comic together? And he's like, sounds interesting. Let's, let's get together and talk. We sat down for the infamous cup of coffee um, that at a diner and what should have been like an hour turned out to be like a five hour writing session where we wrote out like the entire uh, uh, Bible of the Brimstone of the Borderhound series. And uh, what do you call it? That that's, was the beginning. That's a cool session. Yeah, that was the beginning of the comic. And, uh, you know, we tightened it up over time and, and so forth. And, you know, the next step was, all right, well, I need to put together a team. And I put together a team of, of killer people um, who I'm still very close with today. And uh, we don't get to see each other or speak to each other as often unless we're at conventions together. Uh, but what do you call it? Um, I mean, my my artist, um, my penciler, Sajad Shah, uh, is huge at this point. You know, like at that time, I found him. Um, on deviant art and I, I you know brought him to the dance and uh he's doing stuff like with ninja turtles and you know see wow. and marvel and image and all that jazz now and he does cover work and um you know so he's he's insane and i love that kid to death good heart good amazing artist and um you know with him and and some of my other partners uh shoot man i had thiago castro from from brazil you know he was the the the, the colorist and uh, wow. He took over inking from uh, my original inker, who was also a great person, Alan Chickering out of Texas. And, you know, like there was somebody for everything. You know what I mean? And and is it a, he, is it a like shit ton of labor to get through building an entire comic book like that? Yeah, it is. It really is. And, um, you know, a lot of people like to think that, um, you know, it's comics is, is a fool's game. Um, the, the fact is, is, is it's it's a lot of a lot of fun. And it's a lot of work. Um, sure. and, and what do you call it? Uh, meaning fool's game, meaning that it's child's play and it's so easy to do. It's not mm -hmm. easy to do. It's a lot of work. And a lot of people don't want to put that work in. They get one issue out and that's it. Or they get no issues out because they don't realize how hard it is. Um, so, you know, Brimstone of the Borderhounds was born. And, you know, for, for me, that was a great triumph. I wanted to show how big my thing was. So I said, all right, well, you know, we're going to release in Borders Books because Borders was at the time a big deal. Mm -hmm. So we released the Borders Books. Borders wound up uh, announcing that they were closing, you know, their stores about a couple months later. So I went in, I took everything out of Borders Books 
And then I relaunched worldwide in uh, Barnes and Noble and B Dalton's. And um, what do you call it? And then we were the only independently owned and operated comic that was with Marvel, DC, and Image, and I think Dark Horse, um, which was at the time was amazing. Now I don't know, you know, I mean, it's not even Barnes and Nobles as much anymore. But are you on Amazon too with the books too? I was, yeah. I think they still are. I believe they still are. Um, I I've kind of even though I oversee Hound at this point, um, I'm not as active with Hound as I was simply because. Rindhouse Radio and the Brimstone stuff has got me crazy. Yeah, so I wanted to ask from an entrepreneurial perspective, are you tying all this into one business under an LLC? Are you a sole prop? Are you splitting everything up? Where is your, what was sort of like the trajectory of building the entrepreneurial side of it and where are all the businesses at now? So, you know, my first my first actual business, believe it or not, um, was a partnership. We did it under a DBA and I was, I was young. So I was, how old are you guys? I'm 21. 22. 21. 22. Okay. So my, my first business, I started when I was 17 and um, what it was and, and close your ears, people who are faith of heart. Um, I did a, a, a thing called Dr. Peckerheads. Let's play Dr. Sex Kit. And what do you call it? And the re- and not a lot of people, I don't talk about this often. So not a lot of people know about it. Um, but this is a, a, it was a hidden gem. I'll tell you that. And um, the reason, the reason why I did this was because um, at the time, one of my friends from private school, who also was in my band, private school, uh, him and I were, were besties at the time. And uh, his girlfriend, her father was a doctor and he was working for the father. And he was able to get, you know, he was doing the work for him, um, you know, dealing with Malaysia. And uh, he was able to get these latex gloves for like dirt cheap. So I was joking with him one time and I'm like, hey, can you get condoms? He's like, probably, let me look into it. And he looked into it, and uh, if we bought like ten thousand condoms, <laughs> we would get them for 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 three cents each. So, or two cents each, or maybe it was—I don't remember. It might have been even less. Whoa, what a but hustle! It was, so, so I was like, okay, so it's going to cost us X, Y, and Z, and blah 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 for that. And you can get the what do you call it? The, uh, the latex gloves. I said so. We have a lot of condoms to use for ourselves, but we could also resell them and do that. And let's try this. And uh, I came up with this little character called that I called him Doctor Peckerhead. And I drew out this little this little instruction manual. And uh, and I went around and I priced out, you know, at seventeen, you know, priced out all these like little little white boxes and stuff that goes in it and stickers. And we you know we designed the stickers and. Um, and, and what do you call it? And then we found out the, um, uh, the face masks, uh, you know, not like the ones today, they were like the round ones, uh, that, you know, that you, you, you could put over your ears, the old style of, of the, uh, doctor masks and, um, what do you call it? We took them and, and I, I created this little kit. We had the, like the little pink shreddings in the white box and it had the uh, three condoms and a mask and a, what do you call it? A pair of latex gloves and the instruction manual. And then we were like, well, we need to get it shrink wrapped. So I found a place that was uh, actually in Uniondale where I grew up. Um, there was a place that helped um, the, um, the uh, um, special ed kids, um, yeah. you know, where they would have a, the opportunity to have a job. So I, what do you call it? So they did the shrink wrapping there. So I was able to take these, these boxes there because they didn't know what it was. And I had them shrink wrapping them. So they <laughs> shrunk wrap everything. And then I went door to door to all these different adult places and so forth. And I sold them to all these 
uh, little adult shops all across Long Island and in Manhattan. And then I also sold them to um, um, in bigger lots to a place called World Imports, which used to be in the malls and Spencer's, which I'm sure you're familiar with. I'm, yeah, very yeah. familiar. No so, kidding. What yeah, were you selling? Yeah. What, what were your margins? What were you selling per, per, per product to so, a store? Our cost came to like a buck and change, and we were selling them per to, to the stores for about five dollars a piece, and then the stores were selling them for like ten bucks a piece. And what do you call it? Uh, it was stupid. The margins stupid. on that are insane. The numbers were we were kids making a ton of cash, and um, what this do you call is just it? another example of if you had social media when you were younger. It would have entirely different. Killed it. Um, So, so now my plan was with him, you know, I was like, we could do so many different things. We already have X, Y, and Z. So we could just package the condoms. However we want to package them. We could then package just a single glove and call it um, the, uh, what do you call it? A self masturbation kit. Um, (laughs) What do you call it? Dr. Peckhead, you know, and just like build the brand out. You still um, have stickers or uh, a sketch of this. I have a couple of the boxes. Yeah. Um, very few I, of them. I would. I want one of those. Yeah. Very I would few like of them. To get my hands on. I, I. I can show it to you, but I can't give it to you because I only have a couple. And Deal. I'll tell you why. I'll tell Deal. you why. Um, the reason for that is because my. Uh, so my partner uh, at the time, we it was time to go to college. And even though I was staying local, um, he was going away to Penn State, and um, he left. He had all the stuff at his house, which put everything on pause because I couldn't get my hands on it and um what do you call it all of a sudden that started dwindling a little and i needed to re redo everything so i got in touch with his his parents and i'm like can i come pick up the stuff and they had thrown everything away no, way. no so they got rid of all of the stock of everything we had which was all the all the condoms and all the gloves and everything so um yeah so we we wound up we wound up being done. And, um, and that was my first foray into business. And it wasn't my fault that we shut down and I, we were making good money for kids, man. You kidding me? We, yeah. If we would have continued with that and rolled with it, because it was a, it was a, a, a fun item. It was, they were buying them for bachelor and bachelorette parties. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah, it was, exactly. it was cute. So, uh, you know, over time it could have been something really fun, but that was my first foray into, uh, into the, the, entrepreneurial space but you also got to remember entertainers are entrepreneurs and entrepreneurs should be entertaining you know so um Mm. you know as as you know as a brand myself i'm consistently selling myself and having to you know build my brand up and sell my brand and you know market my brand so people need to understand that you know you as you you guys as entertainers as hosts you are your own brands then you're a brand within the brand Mm. um in terms of i know there was a question prior um you know with with the different um you know, how things are set up well hound comics inc you know we're corp so we're s corp um nice. what do you call it so it's hound comics inc hound entertainment group um the grindhouse radio is a separate corp originally it was under the umbrella of hound um and we pulled it out and separated it because you know it's a different animal than hound is sure. um and different people are involved so we we branched off and built out uh the groundhouse the grindhouse radio inc uh, and that's a, an S corp as well. And um, everything else is underneath, you know, the different corps. And then, you know, um, a lot of things, you know, I have under DBA and I didn't have to do anything else with it, but, you know, under, uh, you know, that being said, um, what do you call it? What we, what, what I've done is, you know, I built out under like Hound Entertainment, um, you know, all the Brimstone branded products, like my sauce and seasoning lines and, you know, and, and, 
this, you know, like my coffee line, the candy line, and mm-hmm. all of that is all intertwined with the comic books, and all that is intertwined with also the Grindhouse Radio. Everything I do is tied together in one way, shape, or form. So, um, you know, a lot of people don't realize that, but that was all done intentionally. So, like, for instance, the, 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 the sauce and seasoning, the reason why we have the sauce and seasoning is because I did Food Hound Tidbits. The reason why I did the show Food Hound Tidbits is because I was out promoting, you know, the comic books and the comic book company. So when I, when I said to my director of operations at the time, I said, uh, his name's Aton Wish, he's still like a little brother to me. And he said to me, he goes, well, you know, um, you know, I said to Michael, well, I, I don't want to be in the, in the trains, planes and automobiles and going into to arenas and doing this and doing that and never seeing the towns and the cities that I'm in. He goes, well, what do you want to do? I said, well, I like to eat. He goes, well, yeah, we know that, Brim. I said, oh, shut your mouth. And then, uh, <laughs> then I said, uh, you know, then I said that I like to talk. And I said, I can obviously talk. He's like, yeah, we know that, too. I said, shut up, Aton. And uh, what do you call it? At the end of the day, I go, why not do a food series? So that was before YouTube and, and social media had all these foodie things like everywhere you turn. Sure. So we started Food Hound Tidbits and um, we did that while we were on tour. We went to, you know, mom and pop hot dog shops and five star restaurants. And we started building that out. So th- that brand was built. Um, and then, uh, you know, from there, you know, I, I said, well, what's the next natural progression? Sauces, seasonings. I want to do this. Long story short, I hooked up with K. John, uh, John K. John Hard, who's the godfather of, of hot sauce. Wow. And um, what do you call it? We uh, we put out the you know Brimstone branded line of sauces and seasonings, which are all my creations, um, as well as my buddy Bumblefoot, who's uh, who was the lead guitarist for Guns N' Roses for a long time. Him and wow. and myself, and we put out our sauces and seasonings, and then we toured and supported that um, and branded those products. Now those products, I wanted it to work seamlessly with the comics so what i did was inside the comic um you know they're in a bar um what do you call it in the middle of hell and it's called heaven and so the bar is called heaven complete with stairway if you're a musician you should get it stairway, stairway to heaven, heaven. Nice. Yeah. and uh what do you call it? so in it the um the guys are eating like sweet tea treat wings and you know flavor behavior this or you know, grub munchies which is one of my candies and um, what do you call it? Um, grindhouse burgers. And they're sitting and eating all these products. Each one of these things is available in real life. So uh, now, now the, the branding uh, and the marketing is already in the comic books. So the comic fans now can buy the stuff in real life. And the, the fan, and the people that are fans of the sauces and seasonings now can find out that it's part of a comic book and it's all intertwined. And I mentioned grindhouse for the grindhouse burgers, the, it's it's because brimstone is always grinding. I'm in the house of grind. I yep. work hard. I never stop. So the grindhouse radio was born. You know what I mean? So the grindhouse radio is tied to the grindhouse seasoning, tied to my history. Oh, so everything wow. works together. Um, and and people people um, you know kind of the you know like look at it and go, well, what does this have to do with that and that? The, you know, well, actually, there's a lot to do with it. You know, and ton, right? And it all works together. Um, so that's that's basically the story in a nutshell, you know, and, um, you know, I, I had a good time. Um, always have a good time building new products and building stuff out. And, you know, licensing deals are always fun. And, you know, mm-hmm. uh, my, my eSport backpacks deal was fantastic. Um, How did that you know, work? I, How did you, you secure wanna, that? 
you want to hear it's it's a fun story i don't know how much time we have left yeah no uh yeah if you have to go do you have to head out anywhere or anything or? no 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 i have another interview um a little bit later but i have a little i have some time that's fine. okay yeah yeah um, I, got, I got about like 30 I, minutes left dude. okay i just wasn't sure how long you went that's all oh yeah um, no I'm, I'm good I've, I've recorded some of these for three hours four hours oh wow wow yeah. there we go so <laughs> Uh, so uh, I'm so I hope I'm not boring you guys. No, I'm no, I'm so fascinated, Brim. Yeah, you so are. Awesome. First off, I want to say thank you, A, for coming on the show, and B, your your manner and ability to diversify your portfolio while all tying it in, and just that brand connotation and all that. You were literally social media savvy and marketing savvy and business savvy before it was popular and before our generation even got onto it. So like it's yeah. it's extremely impressive to see. And well, so is, is what is the format for the radio show too? Is that is that every week, every day, or? Okay, so the the radio show we do we we record the Grindhouse Radio, which is our our flagship brand. On uh, Monday nights, uh, we also do a small show called Live and Uncut, which we're doing video. It's live, so this way people can kind of join in and hang out with us. Um, and we're starting to build that up. It's very, very slow going because we were never doing video up until recently. So, you know, where we're doing three and a half to four million listeners weekly worldwide on the podcast side and the audio side, on the video side, it's like, all right, come on, let's let's work it out, make it because people with a podcast. That's People right. can listen whenever they want. You know what I mean? They can listen to whenever. But but, you know, when you're watching a live video, it's not this. it's you know, you have to get on at that time and be there. So that's that's happening a little bit at a clip. So we're doing live and uncut. Uh, Monday nights is also when um, the Magic Kim Tom comes out. My two of my partners do the Magic Kim Tom for Magical Mondays. Uh, Tuesdays I do within Brim Skin, which I also record on Mondays. That's my rant show. This week I missed, which I'm sad about because what do you call it? But I was doing something at the time and I was like, you know what? I could miss one episode. Um, that being that being said, I have to enough content out there. But, um, you know, and, and some of my fans got very upset about that. So I'm sorry, guys. I'm sorry. But, um, but within Brim Skin comes out on Tuesdays. Also, the new show that I'm doing that I also record later today. I record on Thursdays. For Monday, this is the second show we're doing is uh, the Dirty Little Secrets Club. So I'm doing that with uh, my gal pal Dana Pereira from uh, that Trophy Wife Life, and she's awesome. She's an amazing marketing person, and uh, the two of us are doing that that together. Um, then Wednesdays I do at 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time live with my uh, co-host uh, Mr. Greer from uh, Grindhouse. He's one of my partners as well. We do um, a live uh, version of a, a, a show called Truly Inconsequential. So Truly Inconsequential is, you know, different characters of pop culture history that we're deeming that if they were in, if they didn't exist, it wouldn't have made a difference to the story of the show <laughs> and so forth. So we have a lot of fun with that. And, and people are really starting to take to that. And they're starting to come in. And that was a new show that we just said, we're going to do it live. We'll do it there. And then we'll put it up for video and for podcast also. Uh, so that's just a fun show we do. And then Thursdays, GHR launches and uh, nice. comes out 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Um, and when it goes everywhere. And, you know, for, for us, um, I, I had a very specific way of how I wanted to do it. Um, we started as a one hour show. It was uh, two of my, my, my two of my co-hosts um, and who are now my partners started as my interns at Hound Comics. So they were my interns. I knew they had interest in radio and broadcasting because they'd done it before in college and um, and had gone to school for it. So I um, I took them and uh, I said, hey, 
what do you guys think of doing a show? I, you know, I'm thinking I have the grindhouseradio.com. I have this idea because prior to that, I reached out to a lot of the different local networks and I said, Hey, are you interested in, in doing something with me? They've had me on hundreds of times, you know, in terms of doing interviews. So it's like, I figured, well, you know, let's maybe do a show together. This is my idea. Crickets, bro. Crickets. Um, I didn't hear anything back. Uh, and so I, I, like I said, I looked at other things and I spoke with them. Um, we sat around, you know, at Hound uh, in an empty desk with a microphone and a laptop after hours. And we just went for it. And after an hour, we were like, this could work. This is going to be magic. Um, the following, you know, over the course of the following year uh, is when we got picked up by iHeart, which was actual actually picked up by iHeart, not, you know, like how it is now, things were different then, um, you know, and we, it was a big deal. So we moved to a two hour format. And uh, when we moved to that two hour format, we started bringing on guests, which were friends of mine. So, you know, again, I've been in the industry for a real long time. So yeah, if you, you go to the grind, people now. I know a lot of people, uh, if you go to the grindhouseradio.com, uh, the guest list is up there. We've had well over 300, you know, guests on uh, and other people that have dropped in or let their voice and so forth that, you know, it'll spin your head. And, and they're all, you know, from different genres of entertainment because I've been in all different genres of entertainment. So that being said, uh, what do you call it? I was very specific about wanting to have it because people, people don't have a, um, um, I guess, a, an extensive um, amount of time that they could pay attention. They have a very low uh, attention span. Oh. And 15, 20, 30 minutes is right around that, that sweet spot. So the, what we do is we have, over the course of two hours, we have six 15-minute seg uh, segments. Because you asked, how do we, how, you know, how's that yeah, set format. up? Yeah. So our format is six 15-minute uh, segments. In between each of those, there's a three-minute mini segment based on something different within, you know, the world of entertainment um, and pop culture, whether it be a foodie segment, um, video games, uh, we've got sports, we've got music, and we've got comics. Okay, so those are the six segments, um, each of them, most of them with different hosts. Uh, and we also have leading ladies. Leading ladies is uh, done by Amy, Amy Palmero Winters, who is a, a crazy, crazy, amazing woman. She's uh, she's a, a, a world record um, winning paraplegic. Um, what do you call it? Uh, paraplegic? Yeah, with one leg. Yeah. So, so she's a Paralympian and, and wow. she is phenomenal has crushed world records by the the dozens um, sounds like a beast she's she's incredible i she makes fun of me all the time because she could kick my ass and <laughs> now she really can't kick my ass but she probably could um but anyways no that being said she does leading ladies which which we wanted to put in some women uh female empowerment and women's empowerment in there a while back and you know, she she took that and, and ran with it. But anyway, so in between, we have the three segments. Then we do our, what do you call it? We usually have our drops in there, like, hey, this is so-and-so, and you're listening to the Grindhouse Radio. And then we have our advertising. So that's how that works. And then it goes back into, you know, the next segment. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So um, th what that does is that breaks up the monotony of the same voices over and over and over again. Even though I could go on forever, obviously, um, we, you know, it's good to have that broken up, you know? So there's, um, you know, we, we did a, a deal which was NDA then, but we're off out of contract now. So we can talk however much we'd like 
but sure. we were in bed we were in bed with google for a while and um we had a contract How was that relationship that was strenuous to say the least mm. they they wanted they wanted us out of all the 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 podcasts that were out there they had like a top 20 podcasts um based on numbers and so forth and format that they wanted to work with and we were in their top 10 out of the top 20 and the wow. reason for that was because they loved our format because it was all shorter periods of time. the segments yeah were that gig 15. economy it fit yes. perfectly for it and that held the people's um attention span so that being said um you know we they they asked a lot from us and we did a lot for them um and then what what they were going to be doing with us um they wound up not doing the thing that they were going to bring on to bring into google play it was that google play um google podcast yeah. they were going to like do an update and then we were going to be part and then they wound up not doing that update so we wound up not Dissolving working with that. them after yeah. after like months and months we worked with them for a year and months of work months of work and you're like what you know so yeah, you know given the fact that yeah we we're we, you know we're, we're well off we we you know we make money we're you know what i mean and, and all that yeah. jazz um you know the, the fact of the matter is is like we would have rather saved some of that money and not had to spend it on people doing all that work <laughs> but um you know it is what it is you know we we uh we work hard and um you know it is what it is and uh, but that was we know for a fact that that our format works well simply because google google knows all so google told us and yeah, um, right. you know and that being said here we are so we, we you know we're, we're award-winning and going back to the whole radio station thing with the crickets well we won over all of those radio stations four years in a row best radio station on long island so, hell yes that feels so when, good doesn't it so when you tell me you know, when you when you either don't tell me that you want to do something well i'm sorry so if you tell me i can't do something or you you know don't want to listen to me or hear me out you're gonna you're making a mistake you know, you know what i mean like it, I'm just going to prove you wrong, you know? Right. So, yeah. So four years straight, 2017, 18, 19, and 20, we won best radio station on the island. And we were like, yeah, that's enough for us. We don't need to continue <laughs> to, to pursue it. And, and wow. you know, and we, we made our statement. And, um, you know, at the end of the day, we made our statement. Uh, and we've won so many other awards. I mean, we like to give back and um, we do a lot of charity. We do, we put a lot of time in there. Um, awesome. You know, we, we got a 2020 New York State Senate Empire Award um, based on our contribution uh, contribution to uh, society and 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 to the the community when uh, you know everything was going on with COVID. I mean, I personally went down, um, and there's a reason why I'm telling you this, not because I want accolades for it. It's sure. because it's because it's important for people to know that doesn't matter where you are in in you know the world and, and on the, the scale of life you should always be giving back and always be helping others um when, when covid was going on and covid started there was there was a big issue where um, people obviously they weren't able to go to work everything was shut down they didn't have money they didn't have you know um some some parents single parents or parents that were having issues you know their kids weren't going to school and school was where they were relying on school to feed them because they have, you know what I mean? They're through the system and they, you know, they're, they get free lunch and free breakfast. Sure, yeah. So, and sometimes those are the only meals of the day these kids are getting. And I said, there's no effing way that I'm going to let that happen. And um, I contacted um, some, some friends over at Walmart 
And, um, you know, and I, and I, uh, and I said, listen, I'm, I'm about to make a big donation. And I think you guys should make a big donation as well. And, um, you know, this is what I'm doing. And, and uh, I heard the food bank was very, very low. So, you know, where everybody else was scared to go out, as was I, I didn't want to be out. But I personally went down um, with, with a few thousand dollars from Walmart, a few thousand dollars from GHR. And I personally did the shopping and did everything and, and hand delivered all the stuff to the food bank trucks of stuff and you know what i mean just piles of of you know like of things in there and um you know we we spread we spread that money you know out really really nicely and um you know and we didn't ask for anything you know any that's the best we didn't go after media we didn't do anything because guess what you need to pay it forward you need to do the right thing Mm -hmm. um you know and and because somebody you know is is you gotta understand people are less fortunate and it's not for lack of trying sometimes it just happens that way um so we were blessed that that senator kevin thomas who's one of the local senators and uh we do some stuff together so he knew what we did and um you know he he awarded us with that that's the highest that um highest honor a business can earn in in new york state um you know and congratulations thank you thank you right after that we 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 got the communitas award which is similar to that uh we won a a gold ava digital award for for podcasting and uh, audio we just won another award um i forgot the communicator award so like we're, we're just you know we we're consistently moving you know and consistently growing and um you know that's 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 all from sitting around a microphone you know what i mean wondering what was going to happen so as long True. as you work hard people you never know how much you can grow and how much you can build but you got to work for it um you know and that being said also when people doubt you, you need to prove them wrong. That's it. I like that. You know, what has been one of the, like at the end of the day, when you go home at night, right, we're all humans and things happen and, and life gets difficult. When you were feeling times of failure or points in time where you're like, I'm not sure what's going to happen next. Or, you know, for me, it might be, all right, making sure I can make this payroll. Or when you're like, oh, is it going to be okay at the end of the day? And you just, you know, commit and give faith. What for you has been the biggest driving factor that keeps you going no matter yeah. those times? I'm going to answer this. And then I, I actually do have an interview at 1230. I okay. forgot about that. Totally um, fine. Sorry about that. Um, no, totally cool. So it just popped up on my phone. And I go, Oh, <laughs> yeah. um, so what do you call it? Um, first of all, and, and just understand this um, failure has to happen. Failure is part of the recipe for success. You can't be afraid to fail. Matter of fact, failure is what helps you to learn and helps you to get better, but you just have to be smart enough to, to pick up, learn from what you've, what you've um, done and, and done wrong, and then turn, make those changes to move forward 10 steps. So you can't be afraid to move back to, you know, a couple of steps to move forward 10. You know what I mean? And that's my mm-hmm. take on, on, you know, failure. Never be afraid of failure. I don't, there's so many things that have accomplished. You've seen everything that I've accomplished. There's plenty that I haven't been able to accomplish. Um, and not too much, not too much, but no, just kidding. But um, you know, there's certain things that that they sit in the closet, and you know, I, I pull them out, you know, and 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 you know, come back at them when I have the time. Sometimes it's just basically lack of time to to follow through on some things. But um, 90% of the time, I'm always following through on everything I want to do. But 
Um, I really, I really hope that I, I hope I answered your question. No, it definitely does. Yeah. Definitely does. So thank you, Brim, again, for all of your time and being on the show. I would love to run it back sometime in the future. Do, do yeah. another episode. Keep yeah, diving yeah. in. I feel like there's so much to explore within your, yeah. your story. And uh, any, any last words or piece of wisdom you want to leave for someone if they're listening to this? Um, one, please definitely check me out on all my, my, uh, my yes, official website, therealbrimstone.com the and any of my social media. If you're reaching out to me, I am the one that's responding. I'm the one that I don't, my assistant doesn't touch it. My wife doesn't touch it. My kids don't touch it. It's me. So be respectful. I will answer any questions and, and comments. You know what I mean? I will respond. I will engage. That being said, I want to leave people with one last thing. And, um, and that is simply you know, find something that you're passionate about, find something that, that, um, you know, uh, that, that, you know, you really feel, um, could, could be helpful, uh, to other people, um, in terms of charity and, you know, whether maybe, you know, somebody who had uh, cancer or somebody who had leukemia or children's or this, whatever it is that you, you have some passion for, and whether it's an hour a month, an hour a day, an hour a week, you know, a week out of a year or you know, whatever it is, give back a little bit. It doesn't, doesn't, you don't have to have a ton of money. You don't have to spend money to, to give back, spend a little bit of time and that time giving back to somebody who needs it, paying it forward like that. Um, you never know how much that means to somebody else that, that is in that uh, position and situation. So I urge everybody to go out there and do that for, for um, you know, not just for, for, you know, others, but for yourself because it makes you feel good too. Truly. And on that, the, and on that note, we're going to finish up here. Brim, it's been a pleasure. Thank, Thank you, you again so for being on. Honor and a privilege, guys. Thanks so much. It was a pleasure hanging with you. Awesome. Cool. Peace, folks.